you want to figure out how can I go out there in the world and feel quote unquote normal. I had the privilege of meeting incredible people that you would really only meet by chance. There's a lot of places on this planet that have humbled the shit out of me. I think the thing that makes you unique and different is the thing that's going to position you for success. I don't shine if you don't shine. I was glowing. You were truly in my damn homeland. We are back again. Hello, everyone, with another episode of On She Goes, the podcast. This is our holiday bonus episode. Um, I am Sarita. And then we also have... Rebecca, hi. And Farron, hello. And Vivian, hi. Vivian, we got Vivian for a podcast episode. (laughs) She's always so busy. Um, And today we actually have a really special guest with us, Um, super special to me because I found her one day when I was on my Instagram Explore page and I was going through a lot and it felt like the phone was inside of my body and it knew what I was going through. (laughs) And I saw one of her postings and I was like, how does she know? Um, so we are here today with Dr. Tama Bryant-Davis. Hello, Dr. Tama. How are you today? I am fantastic, and I am excited to be here with you all. So glad you're doing this bonus episode because the holidays are so important. So important and so rough. Um, Dr. Tama is an ordained minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. She is also the host of the Homecoming podcast with Dr. Tama, um, which I listen to. And I always have to remind myself, like your reminder, this is not a substitution for therapy. (laughs) 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 So I have to do both of those things. So before we get started with like the main questions, we wanted to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, You have such a helpful social media account, at least for me. And uh, you help me a lot, like just identify things that I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's like the stuff you say, it's like, I should know this, but it's hard to tell yourself that. How did you decide uh, to make that social media account and, and use your platform to reach out to people in that way? Absolutely. So there's a term, uh, decolonized psychology, which is about us shifting the paradigm for it not to be something that is so exclusive or something that people are left out of because of financial constraints. And then for me also culturally, both growing up African-American and also Christian, um, a lot of times there is a stigma about therapy and about mental health. And so trying to bring the information to people so they can uh, both gain knowledge from it, but also hopefully to take away a lot of the stigma when they experience mental health challenges within themselves and also when they see it in other people for there to be less judgment um, in our community is so important. And so when I shifted into using social media, Uh, The idea of using social media as like a journal has never been attractive to me. Um, (laughs) And I know some people do it and bless them if that's, you know, how they enjoy it. Um, But for me, it just started because I started with Twitter, actually. And because it requires that you keep things succinct, um, then trying to just give nuggets um, of information that people can chew on and apply. Mm hmm. And like, I mean, as a mental health professional, like what is your perspective? I mean, you mentioned that you aren't a huge fan of using social media as a journal, but like, 
talking about like the effects of social media, especially around these this time of year. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, Vivian just came in to tell us somebody got engaged, and I'm like, <laughs> I feel like every day we I look at it and I'm like, someone's engaged again, new baby. <laughs> oh, look, there's your big house that you purchased right in time for Christmas. <laughs> like, crude for you. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. <laughs> like, yes. with, what, what it does. Is, it creates. Um, a, a, a constant sense of comparison mm-hmm. and also recognizing that, you know, what we are seeing is what people are presenting as their best moments. There are a few people who use it to like share their most depressing moments, but for the most part, people are putting like the image of, you know, them on the date smiling into each other's eyes, but they're not putting the picture where they were arguing over dessert, right? <laughs> right. So uh, it, the, the positives are it can give people a sense of community and you can meet people you would have never maybe happened upon in person. Um, but we also know that it can increase a sense of um, isolation or depression or anxiety and insecurity. Um, so there are pros and cons. So what I just encourage people to do is be mindful about who you're following. So if I'm following accounts that bring joy into my day or uh, uh, increase my thoughts or about something, then that's a positive or being able to stay in touch with people that maybe live across the country. Um, but if when I go on, I notice I'm feeling more unhappy about my body, more unhappy about my life, then it's actually not serving me. Is there ever a time when someone should detox completely from social media? I love uh, social media fasts. So, um, you know, with a fast, it's not only turning away from something, but being intentional about putting more uh, focus and energy on like nourishing your spirit. And so sometimes we can get so caught up that you don't even realize uh, how much it has uh, become a part of your life or you've been dependent on it. So, you know, how often people do a social media fast, I would say is up to them, but to to think about incorporating it as a part of uh, your life as you're going into the new year. Farron recently deleted Instagram. She did. Well, Unfortunately for work, I still have the actual app on my phone, and it's kind of a cool exercise, too, to have the app still there, but actively, it was very persistent in the beginning, Um, but I stopped using social media just because, to your point, like, it was becoming such a point of comparison, and... And just even the time, like the time, the idle time that I would spend just mindlessly. It's very mindless. Um, And it's just at first I I was intentional and I was like, I'm going to take a break. It's actually so um, my mind feels clearer and I feel sharper. Yeah, absolutely. And I love you talking about like the benefits that you experience. Cause usually people just think about like, well, what am I gonna do or that I'm gonna be missing something, but you can gain like your time and yeah. gain uh, perspective and gain, you know, tuning into yourself. And one of the things people can do if they're not ready to just like come off of it completely is turning off those notifications. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because yes. when they're constantly telling you somebody likes something, somebody said, you know, <laughs> then it's pulling you in and they are designed, I mean, they, spend money studying how to keep us on the phone. So it's not just like an individual problem or like uh, there are entire companies that are working to keep you looking at it. Mm -hmm. Dang. 
Okay, so another thing I wanted to talk about is the podcast, the Homecoming Podcast. It's so great. Um, why did you decide to start a podcast? I mean, I've heard a few mental health podcasts before, but um, what made you decide to get started on the podcast? I love doing the podcast. So I started um, in July of this year, mm -hmm. and I used to, a couple years ago, do a radio show, um, an internet radio show. So I already kind of had my mind in the sense of the media um, and using media to get these messages about mental health out. Um, and so I've done some television work as well, but with the television, it's your, um, it's somebody else's platform. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I quickly learned as a, a mental health consultant or expert on those is you have to be super brief, right? It's like, you know, when I was on Dr. Phil, he'll talk, to a guest and then he'll come over to me in the audience and say, and Dr. Tamer, what do you, what can you say to them? And you have like two minutes, right? <laughs> like people have laid out their whole lives mm -hmm. and I have like a two minute response. And so both with Twitter and Instagram and being on other people's platforms, you have very limited time. So the benefit for me of a podcast is that I can shape the content and I can take my time to explain it more um, because often with Instagram and Twitter, people will come back with questions of like, you know, well, how do you apply that or how do you do that? Um, and so the podcast gives more space. And an unexpected benefit to me has been the international audience. Mm. Like I really had not even imagined that, um, that, you know, some of my largest uh, following is in South Africa and uh, people, you know, send messages from all different countries talking about uh, how they enjoy it. So I, awesome. I just love it. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations on that. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, we Thank have a you. pretty big audience in Dublin, Ireland. Randomly. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I shout out it. to Dublin. We love you guys. <laughs> um, so let's get started on our topic. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, dealing with the holidays and the effect it has on mental health. Um, I'm just going to kind of start off, and obviously, ladies, feel free to chime in, and let's, we're just going to have a conversation. Um for me personally, this year I've lost three family members and, um, you know, like I go home, I've been home a couple of times because of that. And it's like, I can see how things are changing at home and it makes me really depressed. Like, you know, my, my grandmother's getting older. My mom is even getting older. No shade, mom. I know she listens. She's going to be like, what are you even saying? Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's just like you realize things are changing and it, it's a little bit depressing. And then also, like, it's a reminder for myself that I'm also getting older. Mm. And, you know, it's just a lot of different things. And, and um I'm an African-American woman. I come from a very large African-American family, and everybody has an opinion. Everybody feels like they are entitled to my life and my business and everything, yeah. and it's hard. It's a mm -hmm. little difficult, so it's. I just wanted to kind of talk about what the holidays mean going home and, and versus, like, not going home, too, even mm -hmm. traveling, like, I can get major anxiety just knowing that I'm about to land in Philly and somebody's going to pick me up and they're going to ask me all these questions and everybody's going to go, well, where's your boyfriend? Well, where's, you know, <laughs> so um, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I, you, you just did an episode on um, the holidays and it was great. One of the things that stuck out to me the most was you said, um, focus on the truth, walk in your truth and about being an adult and then you are an adult. And that's something I feel like. I immediately turn into 12-year-old Sarita when I go back home. Yeah. Can you guys relate to that? 
Um, I think I'm trying to assert myself more as the adult I am, but I'm definitely the youngest girl of um, a blended family of six children. So sometimes they do still talk to me like I'm six or <laughs> between six and 12. <laughs> and so I've been trying to assert myself more, especially with the, my siblings, because we are so close. And so they're kind of like, I know you. I've known you since you were born. I'm like, but you don't know this me, because that was years ago. And I'm doing right. multiple different things that like, you aren't privy to right. for this very reason. So You're like, you I'm know. a director. Right. <laughs> I do a lot of things. <laughs> I'm a cronut. Um, what do you think about that, Dr. Tabin? I am uh, so appreciative of you all's transparency because what happens is people see like these images in the media or like on Instagram of like happy holidays, jolly and merry, and you know, everyone is posed in front of the tree and matching sweaters, you know, mm-hmm. and this whole presentation. But the things that you all have named are things that many of us deal with and often carry it in silence and then feel ashamed or disappointed because thinking like everybody else is having like this happy picture perfect holiday except for me and my family, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But the first one you mentioned around death and loss, it's huge and around the holidays, it hits more. Like there are the day-to-day moments where you might think, oh, I wanna call such and such and then you realize You know, they're not here anymore, but it's a big one when the whole family gets together and the people who used to be there aren't there. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people don't realize we grieve differently. So for some people, they love those gatherings because, you know, at least we still have each other or because, you know, grandma would have wanted us to get together. And then for other people, it can really feel almost unbearable to be in that space without the person. Um, And so to kind of give ourselves permission and space to feel what we feel. And then you also kind of look around the room and wonder like, is anybody else in that space? Because people are looking distracted and busy and cooking and, you know, doing their thing. Um, But often we're not the only one, it just is unspoken. So uh, the grief and loss and then what you raised about um, realizing time is passing. So these markers of like a new year um, or the holiday time uh, is that reminder of like, we are not where we were or seeing your parents grow older. And um, it, it causes us to grapple with where am I and where's the picture I had for myself at this point in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and what do I do about the fact that where I am doesn't match that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and people not knowing that their little commentary is not helpful, right? So, right. you know, these people saying, like, where's your boyfriend? It's like, I wish I knew. Have you seen my boyfriend, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they look, if, if I you had think a little beard. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, people... Um, as you said, feel they have a right to comment. And so a part of it becomes uh, being prepared for the commentary, meaning not just from a place of dread, right? But centering myself to know it's coming and then trying to translate it in my head, right? About like, what is this really about? And what it really is about, and I don't know your family, so it's an assumption. Mm -hmm. What it really is about is them wanting that for you, Mm -hmm. you know, them wanting you to be happy. So wouldn't it be like better to say like, how are you doing? I just want you to have like a happy, full life, right? Whatever that looks like, because that's what's underneath it. 
but it comes across, you know, with these statements or assumptions about what happiness would look like for you. Right. Um, as opposed to being helpful. Mm -hmm. So one is like, if I can try to translate it to, if this person had more grace and wisdom, what would they be saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what is it you're really trying to say to me, right? right? Is that you care? Okay, I'm glad you care. Right. right? That's, a, that's actually a really good point because I think um, culturally, and I don't know if you guys experience this, but I feel like most people of color, like our families are pretty bold in the things that they say and like enforcing uh, what they feel, but maybe not in the most uh, tactful way. And I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying about therapy and like almost like enlightenment where like a lot of my family members would never be like I just want you to be happy are you happy like no mm, one right. has asked me if I'm happy in years yeah. or ever actually I'm not even sure and like again I'm not trying to slander my family mom if you're listening <laughs> it's fine um but like you know I feel like that's a big thing and it's mostly just about asking about what I don't have and what I have, what I might be keeping secret, what I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Versus just saying like, are you happy? I want happy. Like, do you guys well, ever face Asian that? culture, I feel like is the most direct and most unfiltered. And you walk in and the first thing they'll say is like, oh, you look fat or oh, you look skinny. And it's very on your direct physical appearance of how healthy you are and where they think you should be. So when I was younger, I used to take that personally, being like, oh my God, all you do is comment on my body. But what I realized was like, that's the first thing they see and they don't see me a lot. So that's their initial response because it's just like a reactive comment. And then what I feel like they're really asking or hoping for is that I'm healthy enough that my body shows enough weight. Mm -hmm. So because like if you're too skinny, they're like, are you not eating? Are you so stressed? You know, like there is love underneath it all, but it is hard to you know, jumped through to be like, this is out of caring. Yeah. Um, but I think once you get there, you know, it's in one year and out the other and you're like, okay, grandma, <laughs> I'm fine. Because you know you're fine. You know, like there's, there's this like security where they might not know your life, but you're like, I know I'm fine. So you just have less to prove. Yeah. And that's where I find comfort and I just am able to laugh it off. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's good. You're better than me. There was a book I was reading and it was saying like, it was all about the path to enlightenment and how if you truly are trying to become enlightened and actually test that, go spend a week with your family. <laughs> and I was like, amen, because that's where, like, it. there's so much, it's such a complex relationship and there's so many different dynamics. But at the end of the day, I would love to believe that under all of it, there is love there. And so one, just like not taking things personally, like Viv, that comment you made about weight, like, Iranian parents like will spoon feed me until the day that I die and if that happens to be at 86 they'll still be feeding me food <laughs> like that's how they give love yeah um and so if they I mean if they see any fluctuation in weight they're like you know are you are you stressed out are you not happy are you eating enough and then they just start worrying and yeah. so it's you kind of have to give yourself so much space but like in, within your body and within your mind, but that's very hard to do when yeah. you're around these super intense emotions for one another. And so, yeah, we're about to go into that real soon. <laughs> Those are really great examples. And I think it's so important that it's easier on the topics that we feel settled about, mm -hmm. right? Like if I, you know, feel good about this, 
So then kind of even their commentary, it's easier for me to shake it off. Yeah. Yeah. What's harder, I think, is when they make commentary on areas of vulnerability for me, right? Or insecurity. Um, And so I think it's important to think about, and it's going to be different for each relative, what, if anything, you feel comfortable saying. Right. Mm. Because you're like you're saying, if it's grandma and you feel like nothing's going to change that, that's grandma. <laughs> then I, you know, I may adjust that. But um, with siblings or with aunts or perhaps with one of the parents that I may be able to have a real conversation with them about either how it makes me feel or what I would like our communication to be like. Because, you know, you may say you all comment on me being really quiet, but a part of what makes me quiet is these kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we're wanting to be closer or share more as a family, this is what would help me. And, you know, if they want to call that, uh, as they would say in our community, like sensitive, like, oh, she's the sensitive sensitive one. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Let me, I'm, yeah, I am sensitive. Just embrace (laughs) it, right? Um, And the other one is if you can identify an ally in the room. You know, Mm -hmm. like I have a favorite cousin. So it's like if things are going just off the wire, if I can make eye contact with her, mm. like, I'm good. Like, I know somebody else knows this is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes that's a sibling or just something. And if there isn't another person, like, taking yourself out of the space, I always give the one of volunteering to help in the kitchen or to run an errand. Like, oh, you need something from the store? Let me go. <laughs> so I can just, like, come out of there and uh, clear my mind. And then I do want to name, just because the examples we have shared are when family members do actually care and love you and it's coming from that place. But I want to identify that some of the listeners may have family members Mm -hmm. who are actually malicious. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. people who are like waiting for you to show up so they can try to dismantle Mm -hmm. you for whatever reason. Um, And so to distinguish that in your mind as well, like who who um, is uh, not gracious, but actually loves me and who really um, is trying to like ruin my holiday. Right. <laughs> so right. what? So, and then I deal with them differently, either in person or within my own mind and heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of spoke about um, the age thing and like feeling reverting back to a kid when you travel back home. And I mean, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm 38, and I, le- I mean, it's like. I've even had other people outside of my family comment on it. Like, you just become somebody else when you're, not someone else, but like you become kind of like the child to your mother. Yes, when like my mom's around or anything like that. And like, I've recently started setting boundaries. God, my mom's gonna be so mad. (laughs) Should be all right. Um, I recently started setting boundaries, like in general, just because I'm like, okay, like I'm not gonna talk about this. This isn't really not your business to begin with. But it's hard because it there is like I don't know if this is like specifically an African American culture because I know I have a lot of friends that always say this and have always said this and my cousins kind of feel the same way as like we don't ever want to disrespect our elders like anyone older than me is automatically like my elder if you're at least twenty year fifteen to twenty years older than me you are my elder mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like I'm always like really nervous about setting those boundaries with those people you know and like so how do you recommend setting boundaries that are like not disrespectful because it's hard too because sometimes I want to be like you need to really mind your business and you need to back Mm -hmm. up like you know Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be like that yeah so I think even sharing that part of it will help to soften it to say you know 
I could sit here and just nod my head and agree with you because that feels respectful and I want to respect you, but I want you to know I actually don't agree. So I wonder from you, are you comfortable hearing that from me? Or would you rather I just sit here and nod even though it is not the truth? Right. Mm. Yeah. You know? And then most people will say, no, I want to know what you think. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, all right, and then. And so once they, <laughs> once they say that, then, you know, then they have to sit with the fact that that's not how I see things. Mm-hmm. You know? And so um, I know, you know, I'll give the example because you brought up the dating piece. You know, I know you may want to hear like, every possible thing that has happened. But for me, it's frustrating to get excited about some possibility, share all of that, and then it really is nothing. Mm-hmm. So I would rather tell you about something when I'm sure it is something. Right, right. That's a really good way to put it. I have a, so for me, the holidays are hard because my parents don't celebrate Christmas. They're immigrants non-English speaking, they didn't adapt the American culture. So it always is so confusing for me um, where I'm seeing the smiling faces and all the happiness. So for this holiday, my partner and I are not going home for Christmas and we're staying in Portland, which I feel very happy about. I know that's the boundary I want to set, which is rather than putting myself in a toxic environment, I'd rather be where I'm comfortable. But what is hard is when I explain that to people, because I do feel pity or confusion, because the expectation is you go home for the holidays. So when I say I'm not, people are like, huh. And then it's that explaining part that I don't love, and then it makes me feel awkward, because I'm like, well, now I feel othered, because it's not the norm. But do you have any advice on people who chooses not to go home for the holidays? Absolutely. I would say it's in the presentation. So instead of focusing my reporting to them as I am not going home, to say, I am so excited about this holiday. My partner and I are going here. Yeah. And this is like a first for us to you know, spend the holiday together away someplace else. I can't wait for what we're going to see, what we're going to eat. Then that shifts people's energy to what I'm going to do, not what I'm uh, what I'm uh, walking away from. Yeah, I noticed that when, because we just moved into this new house together, I was like, we're staying in this new house together th- like for two weeks straight and not traveling. And people actually kind of get jealous. They're like, wait, yeah. I wish I wasn't traveling. I wish right. I was staying home. Yeah. <laughs> and then yes. I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. Like. <laughs> Right. You make your choices. (laughs) Yeah, as opposed to like that I'm missing this special, wonderful thing. A lot of people would love to actually be still where you don't have to go to work or school or spend all that money traveling Mm. and, and, you know, being with your partner. Yeah. That's a little, yeah, that's good stuff. (laughs) It sounds, yeah, I'm actually kind of jealous. I'm like, that's going to be so nice. Like brand new house. I saw that new couch. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much a staycation. Right. Yeah, Yeah, basically. That's good. What about bringing your partner home for the first time? Any suggestions on that? I know that can be a little, I mean, obviously, since everybody's in everybody's business (laughs) during the holidays. Yes. So I would say the very first thing is preparing them, Mm -hmm. you know, preparing your partner uh, for your family. Like, you know, you know them, you know. And so like some things you don't you don't realize are something because you grew up with it. So really thinking about like describing each one, um, how they are, how they are very likely to be, you know, what that means. And also 
um, checking in with them about the boundary. So, you know, you have to know the personality of your partner. Some people, you know, based on how they grew up or just by personality, can roll with whatever, right? So there isn't, you won't really be on eggshells because your aunt is going to say whatever she's going to say mm -hmm. and they're going to kind of laugh it off and look at you like, it's what you told me, this person's <laughs> Um But then you may have a partner who um, is more sensitive and um, will feel betrayed if you don't intervene or mm -hmm. if you don't speak up or, so you have to, you know, knowing that person to know, uh, which will require you to come out of your child space. Mm. Um, because if, if, if people are saying things that, that are offending your partner and either you just join in with the laughter or say nothing, then it's going to be a problem. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of people find it easier if you all are not staying with them yeah, <laughs> that's true. or that may be a thing as well or uh i guess around family and religion and mm -hmm, culture mm -hmm. um but or even if they're not staying there so either that you're staying with your family and they come over during the day or both of you aren't staying there it will uh, create some space and then if there are uh, again this piece of identifying the allies in your family right mm -hmm. um so if you have a couple that are a little ridiculous, but you know aunt such and such, or your father will come in and say, oh, you know, call him, you know, call the person away from the group and not just let it go on and on, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, you know, you all don't have to tell them everything. So there's gonna be quizzing involved for mm -hmm. in most families. Uh, they're gonna ask a lot of questions. And so, you know, saying to your partner, it's up to you what you feel comfortable sharing with them um, about us or about, you know, your life situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to tackle was revisiting past trauma during the holidays. Yeah. I know sometimes for some people, the holidays uh, has a negative connotation, whether like, Christmas wasn't so bright or, you know, maybe things happened or if there's people in your family that things have happened with that you don't want to see right. um, or, you know, just whatever. Like, I, I wanted to talk about like kind of because it's one of the things about especially about America <laughs> um, is that the holidays are. America's holiday, like it's like, it's everywhere. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. Yeah, it's so commercialized. It's on TV. I mean, every TV station is playing holiday movies. Every streaming channel, you're getting served all of these things. There's lights up on every street. Every street, yeah, like the streets are lit up. Everything. It feels like it's shoving down your throat. Be happy. Like, yeah, one hundred percent. This is the time of happiness. Yeah. So like, even if you're if you're not happy during this time, and like just because, you know, it might not be necessarily related to the holidays, but like first, first revisiting the past trauma, like how, how do you suggest dealing with traumas and like kind of like having to get back to that? Like if you do have to see somebody that you have not so great memories of, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. things like that, or, you know. Absolutely. So, you know, the first thing I would say um, is that clearly being around the abuser or the perpetrator um, can be very triggering. Um, and that there isn't anything wrong with you, that you have a physical and a psychological response to being in their presence. And um, to help with that, to distinguish past vulnerability from the present, right? So getting a sense of, am I anxious because they could do something again? 
versus I don't actually feel in danger now, mm. um, even though they harmed me in the past, right? right? Um, those are, you have to respond to those very differently, right? If, you know, let's say it's the, the slimy predator uncle who still is capable of walking past and grabbing your behind, mm -hmm. right? So that you have to prepare a, a different response, right? And prepare in a different way of even if you want to be in that space versus if it is uh, solely in the past. And I would say to be the expert on yourself and not wait for other relatives to give you permission to feel what you feel. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, as you said, family members will think they have the right to say how you should feel or think of like, oh, you know, you all were kids when that happened. You should be over it. Or, you know, they didn't even mean that or they're different or all of these things. That may be fine for them. But if you know in your body, in your mm. heart, that even seeing them is going to ruin your holiday, then we have to make a different decision, especially if the family, as is often the case, is choosing them over you. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, oh, well, you know, they have to be there. Well, I don't have to be there. Right. Or mm -hmm. some people, because of cultural or religious pieces, feel they have to show up because it would be disrespectful or not honoring the family. What I just remind people is, even if you feel you need to make an appearance, it doesn't mean you have to give them your whole holiday. That's so true. you need to reduce the time and mm -hmm. say, you know, I'm going to come through, I'm going to eat, but I'm not going to sit there all day or all weekend. And then I had like, that was my whole vacation was yeah. being in a place where I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, either uh, eliminating time or reducing time and um, planning your response if people are inappropriate and giving yourself permission to exit or to give voice to the reality that you're not six anymore, nine anymore, 12 anymore. And even if they think it's disrespectful, if I am disrespecting someone who is uh, trying to erase me, mm -hmm. then so be it. Call me rude. Mm -hmm. I had a question of, so I like the way you phrase it of like the past in the past, this thing happened, but it's you're not in danger anymore. But what I find, even though I know that logically, I still have a lot of anger. So the yeah. anxiety of the situation, the situation's not as bad as I thought it would be, but then the anger of pretending it never happened. Right. What, that's the mm -hmm. emotion I don't know what to do after. Yeah, it's so important. And I wanna say, you have a right to be angry. Mm -hmm. And most people, you know, want to either culturally or spiritually say like, you know, we should be Zen or never angry, <laughs> never mad. Um, there was a campaign um, about violence against women and the theme of it was we should be outraged, mm -hmm. right? This that. stuff is outrageous. Yeah. So the person who is outraged is not the problem, right? right? Like, what right. are they outraged about? And um, as you said, like people's silence and masking makes it even more infuriating, mm -hmm. right? And so what I decide is I want to um, convey or express my anger and uh, the best time to do that is not the holiday, right? Mm. For the most part. So if you can think about it and you people have to debate within themselves if they want confrontation, um, but if that's a phone call or if it is a letter, um, if I don't feel comfortable giving it to that person for whatever reason, to at least express that within myself 
to journal it, to speak it. We do like the, an empty chair exercise where you just pretend the person is seated in the chair. And what did you never get to say to them that you want to say? Like, let them have it. Mm -hmm. If I can't let you have it in person, I'm going to let you have it in the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that I'm not holding that because what we have is something called embodied healing that often, you know, that rage is stuck in my body. Mm. And then this person has gone on like eating turkey and having a good holiday. And I'm sitting there like making myself sick or you Mm -hmm. have made me sick, right? Right. Um, And so trying to release it from the body in words or in movement or with our artwork so it doesn't eat us up. And then also making a decision of, I want to be authentic, so I will limit my time in spaces where I have to mask. Mm. I love that. Thank you so yes. much. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <sighs> just healing, just hearing that. I know, right? Because it is outrageous. <laughs> I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> right. and, I don't, and I feel like as women, we don't get to be pissed. I'm no, just like, right. Just, yes. You know? And, and we, have, we have the right. I mean, when we start listing the things that people have done, it's outrageous. Yeah. And then people say like, you know, oh, she has an attitude, right? I don't have, this is righteous indignation, right? Yeah. I, yeah, there is a reason I am a valuable human being and these things should not have happened and you all should not have co-signed it with your silence. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Damn. You want to come, come <laughs> on with me? Um, I want to tackle just a few things. We only have a little bit of time left, but I really wanted to talk about spending the holidays alone because I know there's a lot of people who out there who might be spending the holiday alone, whether it's because they have to work and they can't leave or any reason they decided to... What are your tips on spending the holiday alone and trying to just, like, be okay with it? I mean, it's totally fine, too. I mean, you know, I've never done it. I've never been alone alone. I've always at least been with one other person. But, you know, there's people that are out overseas because they have to work or do I've things. I've done it You've in done college. It? Yeah. And from my experience, it is very lonely. It To me, it was me trying to say it's okay, but it wasn't. Yeah. Because I'm lacking this connection. I'm lacking this community. And I think everyone wants connection and community. So what Mm -hmm. I did was, like, find Friendsgivings and find Mm -hmm. people who were still around. But sometimes it is what it is. I think that was my acceptance of it. Like, this Mm -hmm. is my situation. And I'm lucky to find people who understand. And we don't need to over-explain. But I don't want to say it's okay because it didn't feel okay. Yeah. What do you think? But yeah, I'm curious about yeah, your thoughts. That's um, really important of creating your own community and creating ritual. You would say like my birth family versus my chosen family. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you're the kind of person, if you're an introvert and you know you like the idea of sitting and reading a book to say, I'm not going to try to um, schedule all of my time, but I'm going to schedule some connection or outing. Because often there are other people who are interested. And I would say also, if someone with a family invites you with them to not make it an automatic no, Mm -hmm. because sometimes we think, well, like, I don't want to intrude. Well, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have given the invitation usually if they didn't mean it. And -hmm. it doesn't mean you have to stay there all day. I have a friend who her parents are deceased. And I already know when I invite her. She, at first she wouldn't come at all, but now she'll show up for dessert. And that's fine, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, you do what you can do or connect with other people who are by themselves. And then um, also, you know, service, right? Getting engaged, you know, oftentimes at uh, religious places or community sites, mm-hmm. they have giveaways. So like this Saturday at my church, people are coming um, to give out food, to give out clothes. Nice. And then you're a part of a community. Um, and so... 
some time within yourself for self-reflection, some um, opportunities of reaching out and, and scheduling something. And then, you know, if there is a way you would like to uh, give back or to share, uh, that can make it a good holiday. Mm. Yes. Dr. Tama, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, this oh, has been amazing. It's an honor to meet you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You are, are welcome. <laughs> I am so glad you invited me, and I love your whole flow together. Oh, it's, thank it's you. Great. God, this is really great. I mean, great. like, this has been so great. It, it, this is just yeah. very helpful, and I'm I'm very appreciative. I know the girls are super appreciative. Yeah. Um, everybody out there, please follow Dr. Tama. I just I cannot stress it enough. Um, if you need to be read in a way that is loving <laughs> and on point, please do. Um, and like you're at Dr. Tama D R period T H E M A mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter. Right on Twitter, there's just no period after doctor. Okay. But, so Dr. Period Tama on Instagram, Dr. Tama on Twitter, Homecoming Podcast on yes. all the major platforms. It's so good. And I mean, just, yes. Get you, oh, get you some of that. You. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'll just say a, a, a last comment, which is, this is important for people who are struggling over the holidays, but even if you're feeling happy in your life, mm-hmm. to have a sensitivity for the people who are around you, mm-hmm. um, to not overlook um, and assume your experience is everyone's experience. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That is yeah. very true. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. We're so, so happy right. to have Take you. Care. Thank, thank you. Thank you.